Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to another session and a meeting here podcast with Samantha Gadsden on Muslim Birth World. Today we're going to be talking about magic, magic from a different perspective. So according to Islam, as some of you may know, magic has a perspective of zero tolerance in the sense that magic or sihr is forbidden in Islam. Now that involves going to magicians, asking magicians for help. For example, instead of praying to Allah directly, you may go to a magician if you're having trouble, trouble having a baby. Instead of praying to Allah and asking Allah to grant you a child, you may turn to magic, sihr, which is going to a magician and asking the magician to help you. They ask a lot of money sometimes. They sometimes trick you. Sometimes they don't have the skills. They will rob you and they can cause a lot of problems in your lives. So sisters have come previously. I have come across sisters who have had a lot of issues where family members have done sihr on them. And this may be called black magic. I don't know if there's black or white. It could just be magic. Perhaps Samantha might enlighten us a little bit more about this perspective. But this idea of black or white magic, black magic has caused a lot of problems to women trying to conceive in the community. Um, it can cause issues with their marriages. It can cause separations. So within the birth world, I have personally come across a lot of sisters who've been infected with magic in a negative way. And we have something called evil eye, which we're very aware of. So giving someone evil eye, you know, it might be that they have a nice new car, a nice, you know, they might be beautiful and we have to protect ourselves. And we have dua, um, which are like little prayers that we say that protect ourselves from magic. It's a preventative measure. We were taught in Islam how to protect ourselves against magic. We know the medicines, we know the cures. And Rukya, which is the recitation of the Quran, is actually Shifa. It's the cure to magic. So Islam has a lot of answers to curing yourself from magic, but also protecting yourself from the effects of magic. However, I'm really, really interested to see and hear what Samantha Gassan has to say, because she can, she's going to share her story, inshallah. So bismillah. Hi, hi. So I've been scribbling things down while you've been writing because already there's a lot of crossing over between what you do and what you think and what I believe, albeit in a different way. You pray to Allah, I pray to the goddess. But as you know, from the last podcast we did, in my opinion, we all come from the same heart space. And what I believe is, is what we do rather than who we pray to. I know that's that's different for you, but I like to think that we all we all come from the same heart space and we all come from love. OK, so. In my belief system, you wouldn't do magic on somebody else without their absolute consent. So that idea of somebody doing magic on you without your permission or doing anything to you without your permission would be the opposite to anything that I personally might do. Um, and actually what everybody else that I know who works in that field would do. Nobody would do anything unless you unless you were actively seeking it. So, for example, Jenny and I have been lighting candles for somebody this week. But even before I said to Jenny, can you light a candle? I sought the permission of the person who Jenny was lighting a candle for. So that, that seeking of permission and consent, which we see undermined in the birth world all of the time, shouldn't be undermined by anybody trying to help you or do good either. So doing things to you without your permission is always going to be against my, um, against my belief system. So whether you want to call what I do magic, whether you want to call it intuition, whether you want to call it being in touch with nature, whether you want to call it just trust, Whatever you call it, I, I, I don't spell cast, so I'm not a person who sits here spell casting, but because I now understand my tradition more, I realise that some of the things that I do fit into the magical practice, and probably, although you wouldn't label it magic, some of the things that you do 
So there's protection that you use against the evil eye. We also believe in the evil eye. You know, we hang protective things. The idea, you know, you will have seen things. Once I was trying to get rid of slugs in my dining room and um, I was making a big square of salt because I've got wooden floorboards and, and my son came into the room and he said, mum, I thought you were doing a spell to get rid of the witches. And then I realized that you are one. <laughs> yeah. It's just that. Um, so to me, I, and I talked to you about it last time, magic in the ordinary, you know what I would call magic, you would call love. So when you talked about cooking those three hour meals for your husband, and I said, and you said that he wanted to be in the kitchen with you. And I said, magic in the ordinary. I think that's what sparked this podcast, actually. Yes, Those are yes. things that I would refer to as magic and you would refer to as something else. Yeah. yeah. So rather than them being seen as something harmful, I think sometimes it's the same thing with a different name rather than that deep, dark thing that, that, that you're talking about there where it's forbidden. You know, I'm not particularly a Wiccan, but under the Wiccan code, the first code is do no harm. So that thing that you refer to as black magic or dark magic is far, far away from us because the idea is that you should all, always use anything that you have in yourself for good. Yeah. If that makes sense. So it should yeah. always be done for good. And again, like I said, not, not without consent. Yeah. So it is really different. I'm not a spellcaster. I'm not what people think of as a traditional witch. I kind of use the word as a throwaway term because I don't have a label. Yeah. So it's more a kind of the only witch in the village becomes a kind of joke for me. But at the same time, and again, I'm pretty sure you probably do this, nothing on my feet, barefoot on the ground so that I can feel nature. Yesterday, I ran out to the car in the pouring rain with nothing on my feet and nothing on my head so that I could feel the rain on my arms and the ground beneath my feet and just feel connected with the earth underneath me. I'm sure you probably have a practice for that um, or I that you do it without thinking. I think that interestingly enough, from a personal perspective, there were lots of things that I would have done when I was younger that yeah. I've definitely evolved into not doing since I've become knowledgeable in Islam of what certain things mean. The right. thing we have to be careful of is the interaction with jinn. Jinn are spirits. Yeah. And we, it's interesting because in my childhood, I think I had a lot of interaction with the jinn world, the spirit world, without knowing I did. It was subconscious. I had a pagany upbringing there were things I was doing I didn't know that I was either interacting with Jin or in inviting them to me and I had to be very careful because oh you know we could go on forever but there is such yeah. a thing as Jin possession you know you get yes. the spirit possession and when they come inside you it can be really difficult to ask them to leave for want of a better word like this is what Rukia is um, and my husband is actually a practicing practicing Raki which means that he reads Rukia on people who've been possessed by jinn okay. and they can't let it they don't get out the jinn is staying inside their body they're causing them health issues relationship issues and he has to read Rukia again and again the Quran just read the Quran again and okay. say like leave leave the body don't engage with them, don't talk to them, don't get into conversations with them because they have a lot of, lot of stories. They can be up to 400 years old. They come from all different places. They move very fast. The jinn world is real. We believe in this in Islam very yes. much. And in the last surah of the Quran, it says, uh, meaning the jinn and people, we exist together. That's the last part, the last line of the Quran. Yeah. Allah created jinn and mankind. 
we all live together but we have to be so careful because if we do certain things it's like we're asking the gin to come so it's six okay. like you know like when the sun sets at night um the gin are in the trees so we have to bring yeah. our children in at sunset because it's the time when the gin come down from the trees and we cover our vessels all our food pots we cover it at, at sunset to stop the yeah. gin from going into the food you know that kind of thing so yes we do have practices that we, we we go by because we know what can happen if we don't you know preventative yeah 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 and that's, that's different to me because i live nature spirit so i'd be like opening my windows and letting them in and you're kind of covering yourself up to you know and that's fine because yeah. it's about what each one of us is comfortable with now yeah. I was once driving out of a field and my, my, he's 14 now, well, he was much younger than, literally saw the spirits in the trees and described them to us in mm -hmm. some great detail and how some of them all came from a dot, which is actually the beginnings of sacred geometry, although he wouldn't have known that. Yes, um, kinds of and, things and are very spiritual. Spirits and yeah. It's yeah. just you want to protect yourself from them and I want to throw up my windows and go, come in, come in, yeah. come in. But I don't think that they possess us either. And I do wonder sometimes, well, not sometimes because you've mentioned it, if believing in something can make it. So if you believe that you can be possessed by a spirit, because I do think you probably can, yeah. can it be make you more open to it happening? And so you need to be more protective about it happening. I don't know. That's just a thought because this there is have a been new concept. Children. Yeah, but weirdly enough, there are children who are possessed from the womb. So they didn't know. So there's a woman, for example, I've known women who were possessed and the child in the womb, the baby was then possessed. And it's so I believe that all children are born magical and then we lose our magic as we grow up, right? Because yeah. we go to school and then we get trained, it gets trained out of us, yes. if you like. Yes. It's just that if we start not believing. So we're born believing, everybody's born believing and then we lose it. You know, I kind of say to my children, because a lot of people I know think I'm quite, mad i'm <laughs> well, not in my not my friends but probably my family and my mum and my sister they love me anyway but they're a bit like ooh. um you know i say if uh, it makes the world a colorful place so if we walk past a tree and i see a hole in the ground and i see who the fairies live there mm -hmm. and um and i say well wouldn't the world be a much more boring place if we didn't think that if we thought that you know there was nothing out there except what we can see yeah and what i think the magic is like there so you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't touch it, but you know that it's there. My granny did the same when I was little, my mother's mother. Um, she used to say I was a butterfly and she used to, and weirdly enough, I have this connection with butterflies all my life. And she had fairies that lived under the toadstools, toadstools, I mean, mushrooms in the garden. And that was it. And there were lots of things my granny used to say when I was little. Um, so things like this, this is what I was saying, the conditioning, you know, I've had to kind of, you know, my children, again, you've got children, children believe things, you can let them believe yes. certain things, but there's also the kind of, we, we, we have consciousness as well. So it's, it's very interesting. It's like, I, I believe it's not just the children believe, but it's kind of like Father Christmas and, and like people used to say to me, or oh, how can you let them believe in Father Christmas? But as they got older, I introduced them to the concept that Father Christmas just represents the magic of Christmas and that actually we're all Father Christmas and that everybody who brings a Christmas present or helps you enjoy any sort of any, any celebration really um, is, is Father Christmas. I'm Father Christmas. And if you do, I don't know if you do Christmas or not, but whatever you do, you'd be Father Christmas or they're Father Christmas. And then as they grew up and got older, they became Father Christmas for the younger ones. So it didn't lose its magic. It just changed, if that makes sense. Um, and other things that I think of as well, for me that are magic are, um, you know, I'm not going to go into detail, 
that I made I made a bracelet today and I got I've got boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of beads I've got I think three sewing boxes you know the ones that fold out and fold in and they're all full of different beads some of them are crystal and some of them are glass and some of them are recycled from things I've picked up for a pound in the charity shop or whatever and I get them all out and I sit in the middle of them and I bring them all around me and then I and then I know which ones I want to use Mm -hmm. so I use um the one I'm making in the middle of making now I was trying to actually drop them on the floor as I was coming to speak to you Amy and um, Mm then I realized they wanted to be in it because they all fell out yeah. and to me that's a sign that they want to be in what I'm making yeah. um, and looking for those signs yeah. and actually it made my life as a doula much easier because as a new doula I used to be worried I'm trying to think of the words worried frantic actually I used to try and go to sleep as a new doula and I'd have my my mobile and my husband's mobile and the house phone and they all be under my pillow and then I dream in the night that I missed my client's birth and I'd be dreaming it yeah and I'd dream it and I'd wake up and I'd have to check all three phones that, and there's no way I can sleep through three phones but and I'd get really panicky and then I had a client who was a spiritual healer and I didn't have those waking up panicky feelings because that can go on for weeks right because we're on call for three four five weeks yeah. and I never had it and it never happened and I was lying in bed one night and I dreamed that she rang me and later on she rang me and she was like oh and I was like oh I dreamed that you rang me and then I believed in that connection between us now you wouldn't call it magic but I would you would what would you call that because right. you know what this is the thing yes so uh, what I was going to say is possibly it's language like in the book yeah. we've got language that can just be dashed yeah. you know dashed to the side because it's just not appropriate it shouldn't be used and we need to create a whole new dictionary almost and I think you're right. I think the word magic has got such stigma now, such a con- like such connotations involved with it that if you do say it, it's gonna it's gonna create conjure up literally, for want of a better word, um, images and 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 depiction that is not actually suitable for it. So I would call it connection, to be honest. I yeah. Would it yeah. It's a connection, isn't it? Connection, and, and I call it magic. When it happens, I feel peace. When I get when I get moods and things that happen like that, moves and stuff, you know, I feel like you know I'm in the right place supposed to happen um it's destiny and it's so yeah. nice isn't it it's so comforting and I had another client well actually it was the same client and I've talked about this before so I'm sure she won't mind but I'll double check and um I dreamed that she needed me and I had a dream and she was saying help me help me help me help me Sam and I dreamed it and I didn't know whether I should tell her or whether I shouldn't tell her okay right. I, I really wasn't sure where I was going to go with this but she's a spiritual healer and she's a spiritualist and she also believes in messages so I decided that I had to tell her because if I'd had a message for her then I needed to pass it on so I did and then exactly that thing happened you know that happened would you call it what, what would you call it I call it magic you'd call it something else when um frequently even today you messaged me and I said I was about to message you yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. literally Next about time. to message you yeah, and she yeah. came on or and the same thing happened this morning and my friend Jenny, who would yeah. also consider herself, a, you know, constantly, you know, I'll go to Messenger and as I'm popping up on Facebook or text to Messenger, a, a text will pop in from Jenny and you think, well, what is that? Yeah. You wouldn't call it magic, but but I would. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. I, think that, and I agree with you. I think there's words that we need to we need to find equal equal ground, common ground between us as women folk that yes. we can say without having to say, because honestly, the connotations, the stigma around certain names and words that we attribute to one another ourselves 
can really cause harm. Yeah. So even, you know, for example, the name witch, you know, yeah. in, in Arabic, it's um, the magician is called a sahir. OK, and he's he's cursed, you know, like it's a cursed uh, it's a cursed trade. It's cursed to do to be a magician because essentially you're causing harm to people. The magicians are cursed. And that's been gone back for way, way back, not even just now, you know, way back in history. So that's one bag, but they're men. They're the male's version. But the woman is called a sahira. Sahira is a, magi a magician, but a female one. And that's kind of like what a witch would be. Now, I'm obviously not of an Arab background. I didn't grow up in the Middle East or anywhere like out there. I'm from England. And I grew up, you know, we watched the witches movie when I was little. You know, witches are something that's always, you know, room on the broom. Witches have always been around us in a very familiar, comfortable way. I grew up, I'm pretty sure the women I grew up with that were friends of my mom's were witches. Um, there were lots of people around who were witches, but they would not. I mean, I remember once one of them said she was a white witch. I didn't know what that meant. But it's this idea of calling yourself or even being a witch, the name, I think it's 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 like you're kind of putting yourself at risk almost because, like you say, you call it magic, you call yourself a witch. But someone like me who comes from Islam, I can see both ways because I was raised you know, here. But someone else, a foreign, you know, foreign Muslim woman would say, oh, my gosh, that's terrible, you know, and this is the thing. And we know the history of what happened to women who were herbalists, who were healers who were womb, you know, who were controlled by their wombs and which we all should be, you know, hysterical, hyster you know, this hysteria, you know, everything is, so, is, is around what the woman was and how she basically, you know, was killed for it just for being a woman. Um, I'm a herbalist. I make herbal yeah. medicines and tinctures, um, but I wouldn't call myself a witch. No. Um, but that's, that's because if I'm really honest, it's got a negative connotation. I wouldn't be sort of, I couldn't, I couldn't call myself a witch. Yeah. And I feel that this is the thing, we, people are putting themselves in the risk of harm by calling themselves a witch sometimes, you know? Well, I, I've had enough problems being the mad hippie home educating parent at the moment. So, but I think of a witch, so as the healers, you're right, the healers, yeah. the, the, the crone in the cottage, the hag in the corner, um, the healer, that's what, that's all I think of. I've got, do have friends who do spell casting and all of that kind of stuff. I'm only speaking from my own personal perspective if oh, you like yeah as being yeah. what I would consider I'm not particularly trained I consider myself to be an intuitive healer um so for example when I did rebozo training I've oh, done yeah. it twice it never sat with me it never sat with me it never sat with me as being the right thing for me that's not to say it's not the right thing for everybody else whereas when I found essential oils and aromatherapy now that that I flew with and I feel that my I feel like I've done it before yeah mm -hmm. I've, I've dabbled in oils and yeah it's natural to me whereas rebozo is obviously not in my in, it's, i don't think it's in my dna whereas when i found aromatherapy and acupressure i was like i, I loved it so much i did the same course twice you know i was like <laughs> I fly with this and that's where yeah I, I think anything though i think by by being a, a niqab did you say is the word you use a niqabi yeah so the niqab yeah. is the fabric and the niqabi is the woman who wears it yeah anything that makes you different puts you at risk yeah it's just the risks are different, yeah. Yeah? yeah. But you wouldn't ditch it because it put you at risk, if you see what I mean. And like we talked about before, it has its benefits and, and it's, well, there's no disadvantages. It's other people's perceptions that are the disadvantage. It's not a disadvantage for you. Um, but I won't change my wording because it suits other people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are plenty of people who would still like to be in the witch, right? I think I think there are I think there are in his I think oh. I don't know I haven't met any personally <laughs> but it's you know again 
it's something that's huge in the birth world. It's something that there are a lot of people who either call themselves witches or I don't know because I wouldn't know in his that's why I'm you know I'm asking you yeah, to it, me it's a reclaiming so they tried to silence us and they tried to put us down and it never worked okay. we haven't gone away we're still here whatever we call ourselves whether you call yourself a herbalist a healer you would never call yourself a witch mm. we're all still here mm. doing our women's mm. work and doing the things you're doing it within the practices of your faith and your religion mm. and I'm just doing it based on what comes to me I know people who have studied and studied and studied all of this till it's coming out of their ears. I'm not one of those people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to be running witch courses. And although I know plenty of people who do, you know, okay. Um, okay. but I went to like, I went to what was called a witch emporium on Saturday. Okay. Sense um, okay. of Asgard, very nice shop. They make amazing teas. They're incredible herbalists. Um, it's called Sense of Asgard Witches Emporium. Um, but actually, it's just if to me, it's just a place of healing, whatever he called it. I don't go there because of the name. Mm. I go there mm. because when you walk into that shop, you just feel better. OK, because okay. he's got really good intentions. Yes. Um, and when you chat to him, actually, he's quite in service as well. So he considers, although he's a man, he considers himself to be in service. Um, and he says, if you don't buy anything, can you walk out of there with a smile on your face? It's a job well done, which is quite similar to my ethos and probably yours and lots of other people's you know and yeah. I just went in some tea because I wasn't feeling great and some incense to help me sleep now I'm pretty sure you use herbs and incense to help people sleep as well but you wouldn't call them spells yeah no um to help sleep herbs and incense well we have a different kind of incense in Islam and it's called bakhor and it's pieces of wood that are soaked in oils like um it's very expensive smelling you know that kind of really rich beautiful arab bahor basically um one of them agar wood is from indonesia it's amazing and you put it on a you light a coal and then put it on top of the coal and the aroma is just so rich it's just basically wood just has been soaked in some very beautiful perfumes um that isn't to make you sleep we don't really have anything to make us sleep um like that maybe to relax you know like uh, massage oil and stuff like that So yeah, I've definitely combined my Islamic remedies with my non-Islamic remedies. But yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have exactly yeah. exactly the same stuff, but it's very no. similar. Very similar. But it's going to be similar and you're going to use similar herbs and you're going to use similar yeah. ways, but you're going to give them different names and shying away from the words. To you, I would call it what you do, faith or belief or love yeah. or, yeah. yeah, whereas I call it magic. But I don't actually think they're that different to me. To yeah. be honest, um, you know, I've got things in my house for, for protection um, that I've got hanging around. I've got lots of what I consider to be magical painting. Oh, actually, you probably quite like my can see. Yeah, I can see. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see. And on so, the other side, I could see something hanging in like a little bag, like a lavender sack. That is a spell. <laughs> that's, um, that's a prosperity spell. Well, that's a spell, then, okay. Um, yeah that's just some but basically all it is right is some yeah. herbs yeah it is it's it herbs. Looks like herbs it's yeah just, yeah yeah it's yeah, herbs for put together herbs with prosperity meaning okay um, and then the next thing you'll see is um see there's a little goddess there oh yeah yeah um she's a truth speaker and then that's um that's a serpent okay so um but that was a present somebody sent it to me i've got all sorts of stuff i forgot, I forgot they were there to be honest 
I thought it was the lavender sack because I my mum always makes yeah. dried lavender snacks but underneath my bed underneath my pillow yeah. anyway, to help me sleep I'm trying to think what else that might be interesting but you would never use it uh, yeah what's that way it's hanging on the bed uh, yeah that's a golden healer it's a okay. crystal I hung it there because I was I was having a really stressful time so it's literally above my head but that'll go soon um somewhere else okay well, so the energy don't the crystals take your energy so you have to take them away and well that one's there to take negative energy yeah okay. and then I will put it in the moonlight and it'll get cleansed yeah it's so <laughs> interesting yeah and to be honest what I think like my husband thinks not that he's knocking it because it makes me happy and he's happy with whatever makes me happy right yeah. so he's not saying don't do it but I think he thinks that very much a lot of it is placebo so if it makes you feel better and if you think that hanging a crystal that takes negative energy away above your head is gonna if that makes me feel better then it's gonna work because it makes me feel better I don't think he really cares about whether it actually works as long as I feel better afterwards yeah yeah and I think times is the physical act of doing something so I was I was quite shaky when I got the golden healer um and then I went in that shop that I just mentioned and bought some tea and basically offloaded on him for an hour while I was buying my tea and came out feeling better you know and, and what, what whatever you want to call it I think it all has the same effect and I do love nature for me when I see the only which I love nature I, I literally when I had a conservatory put in they were trying to, years ago in my other house, old house, they were trying to sell me um, sound producing glass. They wanted to sell me quiet glass for my conservatory group. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I want yeah, to hear the rain. Yeah, I love yeah. the rain. And I'm going camping for five weeks in the summer. And one of the reasons I like to camp is because I love camping in the wind and the rain. And I have got a tent palace, though. It is a tent palace. I've got a big tent. I like to hear the rain drumming on the on the roof yeah, of the tent. Yeah. yeah. And I sleep yeah. better. I sleep, I have chronic insomnia and I sleep better on a field surrounded by other people. Yeah. And all of those things, I think in one of my previous lives, because I do believe in previous lives as well, I would have been a firekeeper. So there's a thought from tribal living that there would have been people who kept the fire all night. They would have been awake all night and they would have slept all day while everybody else was was awake and they would have and they would have been awake keeping the fire and being safe and being the space holders yes. yeah yeah and then if you couldn't sleep in the middle of the night you'd go out and they would be the fire keeper keeping you all safe in the night yeah and I yeah. think I was one of those mm, like, at some point um, and I think this thing that we have where we want to are we down to 55 seconds no no minutes. no no sorry it's 10 minutes <laughs> So we want to medicate people, you know, people with neurodiversities, with autism, with ADHD, into sleeping into a nine to five sleeping pattern. And I think, what are we taking away from these people when we force them? Like, I have all my best ideas in the middle of the night. So if you, if you, if I, if my mother had done that to me, I would have lost all the ways I have, all my most creative hours. Yeah, yeah. Because so got them. Yeah, yeah, that's really. So, yeah yeah space keeping I think is also part of what I do it's part of what you do yeah and what your husband what was the word you used for your husband where he's reciting the Quran to people okay yeah it's um I'll spell it for you it's r-a-q-i okay raki yeah Raki. and that's um, the it's usually a man. It has to be a man, really. It's the man's profession, not profession, yeah. but a man's role. Because the, the jinn possession, the person who gets possessed with a jinn can get very violent. Um, 
so they have to protect them. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm oh, here. Okay. My screen went black, so I thought maybe I'd lost you. I'll keep going. I'll keep wittering without being able to see you. But yeah, that's what they do. They, they basically hold space for people who are suffering from afflictions. That could be because of evil eye. It could be because of seher, you know, somebody who's put black. We say black magic, but we don't really like to call it black to give it a color. It just seems silly, but some kind of negative force of energy yeah. on them. Um, which in Arabic translates to seher. Seher means Arabic. I'm sorry, means magic. Um, but it's obviously the bad magic, you know, the bad energy. Yeah, bad magic, yeah. 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 And I would believe in that too, you know, and we would call it blessings, mantras, pr praying, healing, you know, whatever you want to call it. There are people here who do that, but obviously not in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we've not got by results. Yeah, you know, one thing you were mentioning about how, you know, you've, you've crystals and, you know, different things like objects that you will um, use or place in places. Some in, in, in Turkey, for example, and in some co uh, cultural um, backgrounds of Islam, there are uh, traditions where they will put objects to keep away evil energies or forces yeah. or spirits. So I think, you know, that, do you know the eye, the blue eye? Yes, yes. Yeah? So some Muslims use that and they're usually ones that perhaps come from certain cults or groups in maybe Asia or also from Turkey. Very, very common in Turkey. Um, and then with, are you still there? Yep. Yeah, sorry, I just, my screen is gone, so I can't see you anymore. But um, I, for example, we don't we don't use objects. We would use words. So we would say things like, And that means I seek refuge with Allah from shaitan. Shaitan is Satan. Yeah. Like that. And so we'd say these little things that would protect us. So when we leave the house, we read a dua. And we don't put any objects next to the door. This is just our practice. We don't put any objects or any, any items. We will say, And it means, when I leave this house now, I'm putting all my trust in you, Allah, for, to keep me safe. And um, I'm tying, like, I'm tying my camel, as an expression in, in Arabic, which means, like, you're leaving everything in Allah's hands, whether your house is there when you get back or not, whether your life is going to be with you when you get back. It's this kind of full trust. Tawakal Allah means full trust in Allah. And it's to, it's a rule of tawheed, basically. It's like the oneness of Allah, meaning that we just have one line between us and Allah, and we, but we don't put anything in between it. No sort of amulet or um, a statue or any object. And this was hard for me because my mother was a, she is a sculptress. So she raised me making things. She she makes sculptures, essentially. So you can imagine coming from a background where mom was always, you know, making things, drawing things, creating things to the point where we're not even we're not, we're not really relying on these things anymore. You know, it's just trust in Allah. That was a big transition for me. Um, so, yeah. So now I don't I don't have any objects anymore but I used to love stones I used to have rose quartz hearts that my mom gave me I used to have all these little things that meant so much I had too much sentimental value and I think now knowing like coming into the birth world meeting people like you Samantha has made me be very much more aware of who I am ironically that yeah. I have a spiritual way However, yes. I'm, I'm, in Islam I'm definitely you know quite firm in my religion and faith like you've said but I think I really have had a spiritual upbringing and that's perhaps what guided me to Islam I don't know it's just such a curious thing and I think you're right I think that this this word witch we shouldn't be scared of 
it's a name that those who attribute, you know, have attributed to themselves, they wear it with pride. And we've yes. got to definitely, I think if I had a chance, I would try to change the way that Muslims might perceive that word that are not like myself, you know, ones that come into it and see which. Um, I think it's hard. It's very hard for some people to understand that. Of course it is. And it's hard for a lot of people to understand Islam. Very Everybody, yeah, it's, it's the same both ways, I think, to be honest. Um, and it's interesting, you know, Maltese people, which are all Catholic, really, mm. all that, there's lots of eyes, evil eye protection on their boats. You'll see eyes on Maltese boats as well. And um, obviously I'm half Maltese, so I've spent a lot of time there. And your, your language and the Maltese language, your language is really familiar. I don't understand all of the words, but the sound of it, Arabic and Maltese are very, very similar. Mm. Maltese is very strange. It's not written in Arabic letters. Okay. But it's written, it's 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 based on Arabic, not it's okay. it's the it's a European language that's not European. So oh, when somebody yeah. posted in the free birth course the other day, Habibi, and I said, What does that mean? Is it because in Maltese Habiba is love? My yes. love. Yes, my love. It's, Habiba now. And then um, we Habiba. we had to name Cleotara the first, I can't remember all the Maltese numbers anymore, but there's so many, so many similarities between the two languages. So interesting. Um, so I find, and I, you know, the more I learn about Islam, um, the more I, I, I appreciate the beauty of it because I find it a very, I don't know that much, but what I do know, I find very beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have been to Tunisia, I think four or five times and Turkey and Egypt, um, although I wasn't very first on Egypt, I've got to be on. And I don't want to, I don't want to block a whole country here. Um, it was just a bit, I found the whole haggling Thing that happens in I just want to go in a shop and buy something and it was like, you can't just buy something because you have to haggle and yeah. like no no I don't want to haggle I just want a bottle of coke please I just really go. busy as well Egypt is just so busy you can't walk without being kind of bumped you know you're seeing people everywhere it's really busy and I actually didn't like the way the hotel staff treated the people from the Egyptians either you weren't allowed to speak to them that like you got told off if you was because it was a community center next door and they told us off oh like, <laughs> speaking to people like there's still people you know just because we're in a hotel and they're in a community center i i'd like to speak to people and then we snuck oh, off and went to a it might we be. snuck off and went you know you can imagine it might be because they're a hotel that are constantly getting kind of wealthy in a commas tourists it might be that they're trying to control the distribution of wealth in the sense that those they might think that the community people might try to take you know you'd be kind oh here you go here's some money or here's this yeah. before you know this sort of like parasitically yeah. like you never know yeah. what they think I'm afraid well yeah but yeah I, I really like Arabic and, and learning about Islam and as I've said to you before I love the way that my group members speak to each other and the love and the beauty peppered and openly there's no hiding it it's just all affectionate beautiful it's almost like every every sentence is a blessing when yeah. people are talking yeah. to each other it's really lovely um and that's pretty much how it is when I go on a field with all my like alternative pagany kind of friends and we all love each other and it's different I feel there's a lot of differences and I feel there's a lot of similarities and just we call the same things different because obviously we believe in evil spirits I believe in evil spirits mm -hmm. otherwise I wouldn't hang things above my bed and mm -hmm. you know yeah. from my I've got a wishing tree I've got in fact I've got two in my bedroom full of all the things I've made in different places and but actually because we've got one minute left I don't need those things right I like those things because yeah. I'm a bit of a magpie and I like shiny, pretty things. But if I'm at my most spiritual is when I'm on a field with nothing on my feet 
with the rain pouring down or the sun beating down and feeling nature and the weather all around me. I don't have to have those things to feel anything. Yeah. I feel most with nothing. Amazing. Amazing. What an amazing thing to finish with, Samantha. We'll finish on that. Dead on that look. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time out to come today. It's been really interesting. I feel like we could talk forever. I really do. Yes, as always. Beautiful day, beautiful sunshine. I hope you enjoy your afternoon and I will catch up with you very soon, Samantha. You take care, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Assalamu alaikum. Bye.